Hey folks, this week there's big news relating to the FBI's Mar-a-Lago search. A judge unsealed a heavily redacted version of DOJ's affidavit in support of the search warrant. Also unsealed were DOJ's memorandum of law explaining the redactions in the affidavit and a letter that Trump's lawyer sent to DOJ in an effort to persuade them to stop the investigation into Trump's alleged mishandling of presidential documents. Meanwhile, Trump is continuing to challenge the search in court. A federal judge in Florida has signaled that she might appoint an independent third party to examine the seized documents. However, in a recent court filing, DOJ says that investigators have already reviewed the documents. Joyce Vance and I discuss all of this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com insider. That's cafe.com insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the insider community. The more important issue is what was the probable cause in support of the application for a search warrant. And after a lot of drama, the search warrant affidavit was in part unsealed, or I guess a redacted version was unsealed, and a memorandum relating to the need for redactions was also unsealed. Both of those documents super heavily redacted. Uh, Essentially, there are some preambles in there. There's a couple of things we learned, but I don't think anything was earth-shattering with respect to the versions of the documents that were unsealed. Do you have a different view? I agree with you. I think the big, you know, the sort of known unknown here, we didn't learn anything new about. And that's what, if anything, did Trump do or permit to be done with these documents during their 18-month stay at Mar-a-Lago? We don't have any idea whether the government has evidence that something nefarious happened or not. One of the things that I thought was interesting, and I've talked about this in the last few days, is that the memo that relates to the redactions talks about the various reasons why you need the redactions. Among those reasons, you don't want to provide a roadmap to the investigation. You want to protect the integrity of the investigation. You don't want harm to come to FBI agents and witnesses. And there's a specific reference to multiple civilian witnesses. I'm going to pause on that for a moment. Maybe this is inside baseball. But one, that tells us that the government's view is that not one, not two, but multiple people. I take multiple to mean more than two. Do you agree with that? I do. In fact, in the motion that's unsealed, they say a significant number right up front in the first paragraph. I assume that that means more than one, more than a couple, more than several. I, I think we're talking five or more here. This is parsing like words. You don't think it's like 31. <laughs> you know, seriously, though, my takeaway is what DOJ was signaling is it's not like there's one person who's snitching right. on Trump. This information, you know, this this um, Mar-a-Lago White House is just a leaky sieve with lots of people wanting to engage in CYA to protect themselves and telling the government what they know. Here's another point on which I'm confused. It's not a huge point, but it caught my eye. The fact that they say multiple civilian witnesses. Separately, they talk about FBI agents whose identities they don't want to have revealed because of safety issues. There's also speculation that I think is reasonable speculation that one or more of the people who gave evidence and information to the government was a Secret Service agent or more than one Secret Service agent. Do you think Secret Service agents 
are outside of the category of civilian witnesses and why that distinction, do you, do you know why that distinction was being made? I don't see any reason that they would have used the word civilian unless they wanted to rule out Secret Service witnesses. Maybe the FBI is so mad at the Secret Service at this point that they're not worried about protecting them. <laughs> no, I don't. Joyce is <laughs> that joking. That was a joke. Joyce is joking. <laughs> so we learned they have a lot of witnesses. We learned, I think, also without knowing the details, because this struck me, how much emphasis there was on obstruction. And the language in the affidavit and the memo says things like, you know, these are not hypothetical concerns. These are real, actual, and it seems to me articulable concerns. And just when you're getting to the good part, when they say, you know, have a conclusory <laughs> statement like that, this is not hypothetical. This is some real stuff happening. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And then you turn the page and it's redacted for like three pages. Yeah. Which is funny to me when when some supporters of President President Trump decide to jump onto the issue and are already saying, "Is that all there is?" <laughs> yeah, it's mostly redacted. Foolish people, we don't know. We don't know what what there is there, and what's redacted, I'm guessing, is fairly devastating to the former president. And this is something that people seem to skip over, right? I mean, I'm used to seeing this, you know, there's a non-theoretical risk of uh, danger to some of my witnesses in a case where I'm looking at cartel-linked drug dealing or some sort of a violent RICO enterprise. It is, I think, momentous that those serious allegations are being made by DOJ in a case that involves the former president of the United States. That is a not-for-nothing sort of moment um, in this, in this, I'll say, matter, since it's not yet an indicted case. Yeah, and the other category of thing that I think we learned is something about the level of sensitivity of the materials. We had understood sort of generally that there may have been documents with classified markings and SCI markings. Now we find out from the, uh, from the materials that were unsealed that we have human intelligence, signals intelligence, information that was not allowed to be shared with any foreign party, a general category of information known as national defense information. It's gotten people to say, well, maybe spies, actual human spies could be at risk. I'm not prepared to say that yet. Just because something is human or human intelligence doesn't automatically mean that particular identifiable people are at risk, but certainly it could be. I mean, I'm just, I'm being, I want to be cautious about this. But that's significant, too. And even beyond whether they're actually at risk, because the bottom line is we just don't know yet. The reality is that Trump as president was briefed on these different kinds of intelligence and literally the kind of service being rendered by American citizens and the risk being taken by people who may not be part of our intelligence community, but who are working with us to even run the risk of compromising those people, especially after he had that early stumble when he was in office where he released something, you know, he claimed inadvertently and, and declassified it. And, and there were some real world consequences. You would think that a normal person, particularly one who had taken an oath to uphold the Constitution, would be very careful with this kind of material. It makes me shudder to think about, you know, human lying around, signals intelligence lying around, information that could compromise the way we gather intelligence and the sort of sources and methods that we have. It's so cavalier. It's so dangerous. And yet, you know, we have, what is it, half of 
the Republican part of the Congress out defending Trump. I mean, I'm literally unable to formulate a sentence about how disturbing this is, because every time I think about the real world potential for consequences, it just boggles the mind. Yeah, I don't know why people rush. Uh, you know, maybe we get accused of rushing a little bit in the opposite direction. I, I try really hard not to, and it disappoints some people, both on Twitter and otherwise, because I just I just don't know. That, that's why I refuse to answer the question, which also may be disappointing. And I see some other people are answering the question, which is, is Donald Trump going to get indicted over this? And I see some people saying, yes, I'm, I'm just, you know, given the last number of years and given how complicated things are, I just don't know. Um, I have a you know slightly different view about whether he should or not, but I don't know that either because I like to have all the information and I'd like to know what all the plausible defenses are. I would like to to, to be in a position to know what's in the unredacted affidavit to understand the degree of Trump's intentionality, to understand the degree of Trump's motivation, to understand what people around him were doing. By the way, the other thing that's sort of interesting to me, and we'll get to the legal defenses that he might have ultimately to a charge, and tell me if I'm off base on this too. This is the sort of the episode like, are we off base? Like, I don't know. I'm <laughs> doing a gut check with my friend Joyce. <laughs> that's the title of the episode, Are We Off Base? Are we off base? <laughs> Everyone keeps focusing on Trump which is normal because he's the most significant figure in all this and he's the former president and he engenders strong feelings. But the lawyers on his behalf, and there's an, you know, there's an addendum to some of the materials that were unsealed, which, it, which contains a, a letter from a lawyer from the former president saying, you really can't consider charging my client, Donald Trump, for any of this stuff because of his standing as president. We'll get to that in one moment. But arguments that are particular and unique to the former president are not arguments that are available to anyone else. And why are we assuming that the only person who's being investigated here is Donald Trump? And, and of course, DOJ isn't making that assumption because in one of the rare unredacted bursts of language um, in this, we see DOJ saying, we don't yet know what all of the evidence is. We don't know who all of the possible players are. Again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And there is, I think, a strong sense as you read this that it's Trump plus, and we don't know who else they're considering. Could some of the lawyers be at risk? Could Cash Patel be at risk? Um, there are a lot of things that we don't know in that area. But one easy way, or maybe not easy way, but one typical DOJ way to real to deal with this situation would be to build a case against folks at lower levels of culpability and to see if they'd like to cooperate with you and tell you what they know about the twice impeached former president yeah. as a condition of their deal. But the reason I mention it is, is to focus on the question of the propriety of the search. And people keep saying, you know, one of the arguments of the defense lawyers that's already being formulated is that at the end of the day, and I think it's a ridiculous argument, an overbroad argument. Oh, but I the missed end, your the, point here. Yeah. No, no, no. But they're both relevant points. At the end of the day, the president, because of his declassification power and because he's the commander in chief and these other reasons and separation of powers issues, he's never going to be able to be prosecuted for this stuff. And some of that legal analysis about this broad argument of executive authority should have been part of the affidavit and should have been part of the thinking of the government. And first of all, I think that's not true and not correct on its face. But second, none of that applies if there are other people around the president who aided and abetted these crimes that are being investigated, right? They are not the president. They are not the commander in chief. And, and to just do a quick thought experiment, I'm not saying this is that, but government authorities 
are allowed to search on probable cause premises even of innocent people. It happens all the time. If there was someone in the orbit of Donald Trump who was uh, being investigated for homicide and that person secreted the weapon at Mar-a-Lago, you could get a search warrant to go in and examine the premises at Mar-a-Lago, even if the former president was not yet a subject or a target, right? Absolutely. All right. Well, well there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just Alrighty not a close then. call, right? But it's like so many of these arguments that they make, or better yet, the defenses that Trump is now unleashing on, what, what is it called? Social? Truth social? Truth social. You know, where he's saying invasion of privacy, as though that's somehow a defense to a search supported by probable cause. Um and so you hear a lot of stuff that's not legitimate legal argumentation when it comes down to a search. And for what it's worth, Preet, as long as we're having a gut check day, I think you're right. A lot of these executive privilege arguments aren't going to fly for Trump, uh, even if they are where he ends up on this. Well, let's talk about that for a moment. It is very weird, and I think even lay people can understand the weirdness of it. Ordinarily, when you're making Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.